0: dot com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. You, you, you are a natural
1: beauty. You, you are a natural pew, natural 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 Hi, everyone. Welcome to Natch Butte. Welcome to this special episode. (laughs) They're all special. That's why I say that, because we're bragging today. Today we are bragging. Um, I'm very excited about my guest today. We just met, and we became fast friends, and we were sitting across from each other. It was sort of a, hi, how are you? What do you do? And she tells me that she helps coach women on how to brag better. That is something that really hit me as a person who has major issues with self-promotion. And we're here to talk about that. I found it very fascinating. Her work is very interesting. She is a DC-based PR and communications expert. She's also in, um, involved with, it says here, leadership coaching, which I found very interesting. I'm like, you slay at high school reunions. What a cool job. <laughs> Her name is Meredith Feynman. Welcome to Nash Butte. Oh, and she's a podcast host. She also has a podcast called It Never Gets Old, Exploring Vintage Denim and Vintage Clothes. Is that fair to say? So, the world of secondhand. Okay, the world of secondhand. We love. That's why you're here. To clarify, honey.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm
1: so happy you're here. Your work is fascinating.
2: Thank you. And I will say, and to anyone listening, big fan of you and the pod, obviously. Um, but you're so not alone and having trouble talking about yourself that it is what I do for a living. Yes. That's so cool though. What a cool job. Thank you. It, it has been a long fight for the brag. Mm -hmm. Um, I just finished the manuscript for brag better the book, which is out in June, Um, So we have
1: a little ways to wait. Yes, (laughs) we have a little ways
2: ways to wait. I have a lot of editing to do. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm thoroughly unsurprised that this is something that affects you. It affects everyone, not just women, though at my core heart center, that's who I care about impacting with this. And so it stems from a lot of different things. My becoming the go-to as a PR person for representing individuals, my own work on you know, write I've been a freelance writer for about fifteen years. I speak, I do T V and people sort of wanted that piece. But then we have this extreme, which like I don't have to explain to you in show business this cult of personality situation going on, where leadership is a driver of business more than it ever has been. Like traditionally in American history, like yes, we've had big families, like you know the Vanderbilts or you know people like that that have been titans of industry, but they're more visible than ever. And I didn't think it was fair that the benefits associated with understanding press invisibility. Um, Be reserved one for people for whom it came naturally, which is like three people like Mm -hmm. I've taught myself this for many years. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the D.C., you know, media and politics bubble being like toted around to parties. And I've sounded like this since I was five, which is like super fucked up, but also good. It's really cool. honestly. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. And then I I started to realize that nobody knew how to talk about themselves and that it was so egregious for women. And I was watching the systemic trajectory. So I would have young women that want to work for me. Mm hmm. And this was when Fine Point was more of a PR shop, and they could not talk about their past experience with confidence. And then I would have friends where I would have to hop in and play publicist. And then I would—you're literally
1: (laughs) like living my life, like yeah, yeah.
2: No, I mean, and it's it's super duper real. It's an epidemic. And then then I would represent really high powered women, and they all felt the same way, which was that it feels really icky to talk about yourself. I use brag. It is a Sort of taboo word. We don't have that many other ones. Right. Um, Self promotion. Yeah, but you know what? It's ne- a necessary skill set, and it is one that will get you more money, a bigger job, um, more opportunities. A hundred percent. And and like I think that it's you know that's just, that I don't have to ex- really explain to anyone out here in LA because I feel like that's so much of what you have to do. It's so
1: much of what we have to do, and it has most certainly been a hindrance to me. And I don't know exactly when this happened, but it's it's I'll give you an example. Like if you book a show, you you know, as an actor like, oh, I booked an episode of a show. It's very actory to post a photo of you on set, post a photo of your trailer, post a photo of the script at the table read. And I would see these photos and I would be happy for my friends. But it got to the point where I was like, people are bragging about their jobs. And then it would kind of make me not mad at them or hate them or feel weird. It would just go, I'm not going to do that when I book a job because I don't want to make other people feel weird about it. So then I never did it. Yeah. And And that's really, if you really just think about it, it's insecurity. It all stems from insecurity of like, oh, I don't want to, you know, come off a certain way or whatever. But that's sort of, in our business, you have to do that. It reminds people that you are a working actor and that people book you.
2: Totally. And and from that, I always, like, people don't know what you want mm-hmm. until you tell them. And people don't know what you've done until you tell them. So, for example, like, you know, you were just on an episode of Drunk History. Yes. Like, I might be a random person who has a random show who thinks you only have a podcast. Right. And then sees that and is like, oh, shit, she also acts. Yes. Like, you you have to show you have to assume that everybody is very lazy and does not read and you know you have to tell them you're available to speak you have to tell them you're available to act whatever it is right. that you you want to do and what i will say is like so obviously I care about doing this for women because being a woman in public is so complicated. Yes. You're judged on, you know, metrics and factors that men are not. Yes. That is obviously, you know, doubly, triply true in Hollywood where so much is based on appearance. And like it's funny because I live in D.C., which is what they call Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's it's super true. Uh, and That's so it's just, like, so based on intellect that actually sometimes, it's funny, sometimes, like, focusing on your appearance in D.C. is, like, a bad thing, which is, is funny. It's just right. all all ass backwards. Well, women are
1: picked apart, you know?
2: Yeah, and it's, but what I will say to you, too, is, I mean, at this point, I've trained and counseled, like, hundreds, if not thousands of people, and particularly, you're a Southern woman, mm-hmm. where I, you know, in I'm making a generalization, but... uh Gender norms, also, I would say, in the South, being polite, yes. being very overtly feminine. Yes. Um, I would put a lot of money on that, having something 100%. to do with it, hundred percent. And that is my argument, is that it's a skill that everyone can learn. Yes. What I do is not rocket science. So I call my audience the qualified quiet, Mm -hmm. which are people that have done the work, but don't know how to talk about it. That's me. That is not a weakness. It's a strength. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said, what I do is not rocket science. It's the icing. So basically what's much harder is spending the time and doing the work and, you know, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's like that stuff is takes a lot of time and energy. This is just a sort of different cringy muscle that you right. have to flex. Yes. And it's so hard for women for so many different reasons. You know, you don't have good examples. Uh you have a lot of people screaming and then the rest of us like not knowing where to even begin. We have this horrific inverse relationship between volume and merit. We reward loud voices. And as much as I'd like to be optimistic and say that I think we can get the louder people to be quiet. I do not believe that. I right. think it's about getting the quiet people to be loud. But yes. as a woman, so you're judged on metrics that men are not, you know, your police from your voice to your ankles, to your age, to you know, an endless laundry list of things. You feel responsible for other people's feelings because you're conditioned to feel that way. You're saying, you know, like, I don't want people to feel some kind of way when right. I post my things. But also, like, historically, positive attributes were associated with passive behaviors for women. Like, she was demure. She was She was shy. Like All of those things mean that, like, you shouldn't know how to do these things. And I think that, like, part of my, like, background growing up, but then also being a PR person and realizing that if you treat yourself like a PR campaign, that will give you some of the skills you need. And that's what Brag Better is all about. Like, I care that it's not just another, like you know, white lady feminism, like feel better, like that this book is intersectional, that it is not only, you know, for women, though it obviously women buy books, um, but also that it is tactics that I have worked on over the past near decade. Like it's going to tell you what to do in a way that feels very authentic to you. Like that's the key issue is like, how are you going to brag in a way that feels okay and specific to you?
1: yes. I feel like, again, I'm just, I'm such a like self deprecator, and that comes more into it. Every time somebody's like, What do you do? I'm like, Ah, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm done. New Jackie is done with self deprecating humor. New Jackie wants to let everyone know what's going on and proudly express that. So, where do we begin?
2: Well, I was going to say. So, so with that self-deprecation, like you're in yes. comedy, you're a very funny lady. Um and Thank you. I am. <laughs> you are very. See? Yeah, there you go. Amazing. Yes. Um I mean, well, you know, I was I was this past week I was in San Francisco at Levi's and I did their women's conference and I was talking to uh, I did a brag better talk and I was speaking to someone in the audience after. And she was talking to me about accepting compliments. So Mm -hmm. half of this is learning to brag and ask for the recognition that you deserve. But then it's also figuring out what to do with it once you get it and how to accept it and how to leverage it to continue. And like so there's a lot of work there. Yes. You know, I always reference the like Amy Schumer sketch where the friends are all complimenting each other and, you know, they won't accept it and say, like, I look like a disgusting trash bag. And then Amy just says thank you and all of their heads blow off. Yeah. Like it's like that. It's it's very very hard to do.
1: Yes, I've had a really hard time with that uh, myself. But you know, we—that's a whole other story. Well, we're so
2: willing to accept criticism. It's like, oh yeah, tell me I'm a piece of shit. Like I will, I will totally take that from you and like take it to the bank. Put it on my forehead and like put it on a t-shirt. Put it on a sweatshirt. But no, we are not conditioned to accept praise and and those good things about yourself. And here's the issue. So when you don't accept it, it it makes it stop, um, and then it can't give you other opportunities. So one thing that I always talk to people about is, like, cut out those terms like shameless plug, shameless self-promotion. I hate to brag, but what you're doing with those qualifiers... You're demeaning
1: what you're about to say. Well, you're
2: trashing yourself before anyone else can, which is a defense mechanism. But what you're also doing is saying, like, I can't stand behind this accomplishment. And your reader or your listeners, like, if you were to, like, post something and said, like, shameless plug, then I'm like, well... I don't know what to do with this. As the reader, I feel the anxiety that you feel. It's right. transferring to me. And if you don't want to hype yourself, like, I don't know what to do. And it stops there. Right. So, like, it it has a negative effect on the people you're saying it to. But also then I can't champion you because I know that you don't know how to feel about this thing. And instead of saying, like, so, so excited to have been on this episode, like, check it out, like, like, so grateful and thrilled. Um, then I'm like, oh, OK, like, I will share that. Right. So, like, thinking about that, too, um, and a lot of it is just, you know, faking it until you make it, even if you don't feel that way, is just removing those negative qualifiers. Yes.
1: Okay. And that, I feel like I've been doing that recently with emails. I go through before I send an email and I erase apologies. And I erase, I feel that, maybe, I think, and I cut all that out. Because I'm like, stop lessening what you're feeling. Stop, you know, stop apologizing so fucking much for everything. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. And all this is like melded together. Like I sit in the in the sort of bragging corner in in that I have found a way to sort of weaponize public relations and language and writing in a way that feels good. But it's all intrinsically tied. Like imposter syndrome, you know, women and language and asking for what you want. Like it's all around the same themes. Um, And we all do that in emails. Like, you know, it's funny because as a writer, like exclamation points I cut out a long time ago, but we yeah. want... I, I put
1: a lot in emails. Sometimes I go back and I'm like, Ugh.
2: Yeah, but, you know, we want to soften the blow. I mean, right. women are conditioned to also just be soft and be not be demonstrative. And, you know, one thing I'm really keen on is, like, it's not just about, like, oh, okay, if you hype your accomplishments, then, like, you'll get equal pay and, like, all the attention you really deserve, A lot of this is a systemic issue, and that's the other piece. That's why I cared so much about writing Brag Better, not just for women, is because, like, we're leaving out half the population. Men need to co sign women's voices, listen to these conversations, and, um, you know, also help us brag better because that's what's going to move the needle. You're saying putting exclamation
1: points in emails is sort of like a— it's a way of, again, kind of taking away the— Meaning of, of how, what you're saying.
2: Like, it sort of uh, lessens the message. Yes. It does. And it's funny, because as a writer, oh, and I'm, I'm a long time... It's right. Like, you're true, though. It's as true. a writer, As a writer, you're always taught that exclamation points are, like, the bane of the English language. Um, and it's funny, because in my book, I had a... I, I was like, okay, you get two exclamation points, like, yeah. in 70,000 wow. words, like, yeah. you know. And I went and even removed some be- myself. I mean, it's... It's hard every day. Like this is not my first book. I collaborated on a book before this that was a big data book and the only thing I've ever known that I wanted to do was write a book. And I wrote this book and everyone was complimenting me on it and then I'd be like, "Oh no, but like, you know, these are like not my ideas." And like I just like, you know, like right. no.
1: instantly just
2: And yeah. and so nobody's perfect at this. Like it's a it's I just also know that it will help you get more money and yeah. get bigger jobs yes. and like, you know, that's you're leaving money on the table by not bragging.
1: OK, how do we get more money? How do we brag better? I know this is way bigger of a conversation than this podcast, but like what? Where do we start?
2: Yeah. So I mean, we've already started. No, but. we've already started. It's funny because for you, I mm-hmm. wouldn't cut out the self-deprecation entirely. I think that's right. a huge part of your personality. But you do have to watch the line you're towing between, um, you know, self-deprecation and verbal undercutting. OK. Mm-hmm. And those that's hard to do. Yes. Um, and that will take like time and practice. But, you know, even beginning. I tell people I talk about this thing called the light switch of visibility, which is it's just about turning on the lights and realizing that there are opportunities all around you to promote yourself. So if you're listening to this, and you're like, I don't even know where to begin. I right. feel so icky. I mean, everyone comes to me with the same sort of five emotions. Let's see if they're five. I don't know if I can count. Shame, fear, anxiety, doubt, That's four. And then there's some fifth that people always tell me. Maybe it's four. But anyway, yeah, horniness. Yeah. Yes. That I am so (laughs) anxious and I am so deeply horny. So uh, I'm
1: horny for compliments.
2: (laughs) Uh, But it's, you know, things you wouldn't think of like your email signature. Right. Does it have all the appropriate links to your personal site or things you want to see or your most recent podcast, Jackie, or like your most recent appearance somewhere? Or an article someone wrote about you. And then your bio, like people, that's the original bragging spot. People, you know, throw in the kitchen sink there. If you are a woman, use your last name, not your first name. Don't use it as an excuse to get cutesy. Um, That is a medium I think won't change. Uh, And that is like the original braggadocious spot.
1: That makes so much fucking sense. I mean, (laughs) the examples of people I know are going through my head of like what is in their Instagram bio or their Twitter bio.
2: And so what I'll say, too, is all like... So there are a million different tactics. You can buy Brag Better in June. Yes, like 100%. I will be yes, a relentless, uh relentless promoter on this this book. I can't extravaganza. wait. I truly can't wait. Well now I really have to like live the message. Yes. So like I guess I'm gonna have to get like leggings that say brag. Well, I am yes. gonna do brag swag. So like Love. I'm just it's just gonna be my whole body all the time. Mm-hmm. Like buy my book. Um all of these small places, your bio, your resume, your LinkedIn, your social media. I'm not even on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm probably going to make you get on LinkedIn. Okay. I've
1: been asking Twitter if I should get on it. Yeah, I mean... I'm he, a fucking business owner.
2: Um, No, but I always use this example on LinkedIn of, like, a lot of it's spam, and I've written for every business. I write about business, entrepreneurship, and women's issues, sometimes how they all intersect. Mm-hmm. And one place that always gets me a lot of business is writing for Harvard Business Review. Mm-hmm. And... This someone had messaged me on LinkedIn, which is you know a spammy way to get to people, but people really use it. And he was like, "Hey, I read this article. Like, can I talk to you?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Ugh, okay, like whatever, ignore. Like, move to email. Fine." And he was the former CEO of like a Fortune 500 company. Wow. I was like, "Oh, well." Mm-hmm. Um. So so, but but what I was trying to say was that all of these different places. Whether you care about them or not, add up to a mosaic of who you are and who you want to be online and offline. Okay. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing in PR is you want to control that conversation. You don't want anyone else guessing who you are and what you want. Right. Like, I if you want... I want to know what you want because people are lazy and you have to hand it to them on a sort of a silver platter. Right. And and I would say just like looking at all of that and saying like is this communicating what I want? Ask someone you know. I always, you know, say like ask a friend, a family member, a loose connection, a colleague, and say, like, what does all this stuff tell you about me? Like, right. what do you think I do? Like, asking – that's really helpful, too, is, like, asking other people to explain what you do. And if, they, if it's so off, you're like, oh, well, I need to make sure that okay. I'm communicating yes, better. Yes, this
1: is very interesting. Do you recommend, like, kind of having a
2: script ready for yourself? I've scripted out things for – household name CEOs yeah I mean yeah. people get really nervous like well just like I can't even tell you how many
1: times in the past five months I've been somewhere with Ben and I hear the speech you know I could tell it to you right off. and this is a compliment of what he's up to what he's been doing it's beautiful and then they'll go what do you do and I go I host a podcast and then they go, oh, great. And then Ben will go, she's one of the top beauty podcasts in the world. And he'll, like, go down all my shit. And I'm like, oh, I really should, like,
2: have this ready to go. You should. So, yes. Uh, so I believe that everyone needs. He's very
1: supportive. No, he's, the, he's supportive. the best.
2: And yeah. he's a great hype man. But you also need to be your own hype yes, woman. Yes, that's what I'm
1: saying. I But it was up until that point in my life, I had never realized, oh,
2: shit, that's. This is something here, like well, and you never you, sh- you never know who you're meeting, right? Like let's, if you're like, I'm an actress, I host like a very successful podcast, and you know X, Y, and Z, and and they're you know I, and then I often tell people to lead with something you just that you did that you're really excited about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like the most prestigious thing in the right. world. It just has to be something you're excited about because yeah. again, that energy transfers. Right. But no, you need a Google document. So, like everybody listening, uh, put a quarterly calendar reminder to update your bio. Mm -hmm. You need like a Google Doc or a running doc, a long, a short, and a two-line bio so that you're not Always reinventing the wheel, and then you can you know update it and update this and update is it. Genius. Thank you. I thank mean, you, truly. Um, but having that running document will save you a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing a panel, if you're doing a conference, you send them the short bio because the other thing too is like you don't want to send them this this long bio and have them figure out what's most important. Right. Right. And then it not represent what you want. Like again, it's just about controlling your own narrative and conversation. And I will tell you, it is a lot more difficult. And significantly more expensive to change your narrative than it is to create it.
1: This is so fucking genius. Like I feel, I I can't wait to re-listen to this. Oh I, God, I'm gonna, <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna re-listen to this all the time and like, you know, get my shit in order.
2: Ugh, oh, well, <laughs> I I'm I'm deeply honored to be here and um I can't wait to watch you become your own hype woman. But I will say, like, certainly. Where you're from, your family structure, Mm -hmm. the Southern thing. Mm -hmm. When I counsel um, British people, Mm -hmm. Canadians, there are a lot of cultural factors here. Like, it's a a systemic problem. Like, I mean, it's also just a lot of it is just inherently sexist bullshit. But, like, you know, I think that... um, It comes... There's a lot to unpack.
1: I mean, I'm in therapy twice a week for the first time in my adult life. There's a lot to unpack. I've had a lot of boundaries stepped on over my life and... uh, I was silenced. You know, I think it's fair to say uh, I was silenced for a good amount of my life. And I'm now working on that. So this is, yes, I'm about to cry. I cry very easily these days. Um, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. And it's very interesting work. And I'm very happy I'm doing it. And every day I'm learning and changing and working on things. And this is something that I'm going to
2: work on that and I need to work on and you it's know? so hard and I want to honor that too that it's very difficult and I will say too like you know being very clear that you know as a white woman, I get the sexism piece, but I don't have to deal with the racism or, you know, as a straight woman, the homophobia piece. Right. Like, and really honoring that. But what I, what I, your old stories, which are, you know, what is told to you about visibility, about bragging, about using your voice, whether it's, you know, you gave a presentation on something you loved in fifth grade and everyone made fun of you and you said right. you weren't going to do it again, right. or your family structure and, And, you know, what gender roles were performed to you and what you saw growing up. And I was going to say also, like, you know, being a Southern person and people generally being more conservative and polite and, you know, ideas of women. Yes. Um, Again, these are large generalizations, but uh, those all affect how you carry that into how you hype yourself in your career. And that's something I work on. I never thought I would with all my clients. But... I always go back to, like, you know, what do your parents do? What were you like growing up? What's an example of you using your voice and it feeling good when you were young? You using your voice and feeling bad? And I will say, too, like, you know, I guess I've always been a loud woman and that has not won me necessarily a lot of friends at certain points in my life. Um, And I was definitely like, you know, the anxious like kid that sounded like an adult that like sat with the teachers at break I love that when's my mom
1: coming it's such a mood
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm a big dorky mood (laughs) oh big dorky mood I love it oh yeah
1: hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot Oh, I don't want to cut this short, but I want to get into the fashion a little bit because this is another thing like I talk about brag better. Like you sat down in front of me and within 10 minutes I was like, this is the coolest person I've ever met. I mean, I was like, stop, but don't stop. I was like, oh, my God, really cool job. Very smart person. Lots going on. And chic AF denim jacket. Oh, thank you. Well, we got to find you one. So, Yes. yes. So I also. And so when did this passion of yours start secondhand clothing?
2: Uh, I was eleven. Okay. So you were
1: sitting with the teachers. <laughs> I
2: was sitting with the teachers, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love your blouse!" No. So, <laughs> uh, so I host a podcast called "It Never Gets Old," which is all about the secondhand resale, vintage, thrift, luxury consignment planet. But I started secondhand shopping when I was eleven, mm-hmm. and my mom was a prolific. It still is a prolific consignment shopper, and she took me into the store, and. Uh, I don't remember what she was buying, but I saw this like neon green tank top poking out of a rack of otherwise like nondescript stuff and I pulled it out and it was CNC California, which is like you are a millennial woman, like aughts woman, like that was a really cool oh, yeah. brand. Like mm-hmm. so cool. Like one of the tank tops that you would wear like two of, you oh, know? Yeah. Like yeah. So it was one of those and they're so thin? Yeah. They're so thin and like so trendy. And I was like, oh my God. And it was nine dollars. And I was like, what this is mismarked? Like right. what's happening? Um and the the lady uh who ran the store and she was like, well, it's consignment. And I was like, well, I don't what does that mean? She's like, it was it belonged to someone else first. And I was like, Great. I like took the tag off and like put it on immediately. Like never bothered me. And I never looked back. And so for me, I always have loved fashion. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of very, very high-end designer clothing. And I would say 90% of it was worn by someone else first. It And that has just become my hunt since. I always come to LA and get all my jeans and t-shirts at Wasteland and thrift stores. And now with hosting It Never Gets Old, I, I started it because I've always done this on the side, mm-hmm. like help people sell their wardrobes. Like I have made money on my closet for two decades. Wow. And then You're I like port-
1: early Kim K. Remember I that's Actually, what she used to do for a living. I know,
2: I know. Like shout. I mean, they're all a whole mess now. But like you know, she that was her original hustle was selling out stuff on eBay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have bought and sold clothing for two decades, and like people don't realize that your closet can be a turnstile like that, and that's how I treat it. How and thinking about buying for resale value, and so people started it's very to ask interesting. Me, Thank you. Yeah. And all my friends, like friends of friends, like random people would be in my DMs being like, hey, where do I sell this jacket? And so I just started, I decided I wanted to start educating people on how to do it. And then it really got me into the sustainable fashion world. And I, what I always want to tell people is like, you can get almost anything you want secondhand and you're not going to pay anywhere near retail. It's sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's the most sustainable option. Um, and it's, I find it really fun. So we got to find you a Levi's jacket. Yes which are everywhere. Um, one of the episodes I sent you was on the wide world of, of denim. I have a denim issue. I love denim so much. I was at Levi's and I was like, oh my God, oh, everybody's wearing the flyers. The mothership. The yeah, flyers jackets. like All these like one-off samples of jackets that I'd never seen before. Um, but yeah, I mean, the world of secondhand is there for you. Like you're someone, you're a vegan. You're someone who like cares about these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Like
1: these shorts, I bought these at the Melrose trading post. Yeah. I love Melrose trading post. Like, I don't know, six years ago now. I don't know who owned them before, but I love them.
2: Exactly. You know what I mean? I wear these all the damn time. Throw them in the wash. And a lot of times too, like we've just made too much stuff and we have too much stuff. So like a lot of people get icked out and I like go into all these different themes on the podcast, but. But a lot of this stuff hasn't been worn before. If you wanted to only buy secondhand things with tags on, I went to the Real Real store on Melrose, which is like super fancy and like has all the has all the like fancy things. But it's a huge part of sustainable fashion now, and I believe that the future of fashion is nothing new. Like we already have enough stuff.
1: Yeah, I love Um, that. I'm so I'm so about that. you were saying something about like fast fashion versus sustainable fashion mm-hmm. and the trends mm-hmm. and the growth. And and you had said I think you had said when we met like that fast fashion is actually
2: underselling. Yeah. So well. So Forever Twenty One, I think, just filed for bankruptcy. And czar. Ever- so, so that's fashion- so crazy. Well, they're really they're realizing that they're screwed because the next generation, I would say, probably their number one issue is climate, right? And they're way woker than we are. And they are all buying secondhand on ThredUp or Poshmark or Depop uh, or thrifting themselves right. just in places. And uh, so a lot of these fash fashion places are now. Vowing to incorporate vintage guard. it's just too late. It's a right. little too late. And all the statistics are saying that within, within about five years, um, the the new burgeoning secondhand online, like so you have like the Real Real, Tradesy, eBay's an old fave, Poshmark. Thread Up, StockX, all this stuff is happening, and that's going to surpass fast fashion. Wow. In terms of size of the industry, which is one of the reasons why I started the podcast, is like actually from a business perspective, like it's a multi, multi billion dollar industry and only growing, which is rad.
1: That's really, really cool. So, for someone out there who's maybe never bought anything secondhand, what sort of advice or tips or starting point would you recommend?
2: I would start somewhere that's much more organized. Mm-hmm. Uh so maybe start with the real real. Um I was not paid to say this though, I could be real real. Uh but they Is
1: that somewhere anyone could go nationwide? It's online. Okay, got yes. it. Yes.
2: And that's very high. That's that's more designer. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'll tell people too if they're so there are different categories and like a thrift store is going to be the most overwhelming. Right. Like sometimes like Melrose trading post, I walk in, I'm like, no, I can't do this today.
1: Sometimes I walk into thrift stores and i am just, I'm like, I'm not feeling the mood in here right now. Like the, the, the dig. Yes, I'm not in the mood for the dig.
2: Yeah, so that's where online sites come in really well, and like, let I would you know start at like a thread up, right? And which has you know brands that everybody loves and wears, the Gap, J Crew, Lululemon, the things that actually sell the best. I
1: bought so many pairs of Lululemon off Poshmark. Yeah, the day I figured that out, I was like, oh wow, I don't have to pay all that money for these, and I don't even have to feel bad really, because you know Lululemon has its own. Kind of vibe yes, going. Yes. And
2: if you buy them secondhand, that's a race. In the words of Gia Tolentino, Lululemon is uh, late capitalist fetish wear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> great leggings, they fit great. No, totally. But what, I, you know, it's funny, people, a huge misnomer is that, like, what sells best secondhand, if you are also thinking about selling your closet, which you should, I mean, mm-hmm. donating is very important. There are a lot of people that need clothes yes. and donate to places that. We'll take it, and if they don't, we'll re- recycle it sustainably. Mm-hmm. That's important. Thread Up does that, actually. Um, Good to but know. it's not like the highest, highest end designer, like coolest thing that moves fast. It is stuff that everyone wears. Lululemon, right. like J Crew, like everyday essentials that are also um, luxuries. So J Crew and Taylor. Uh, Lululemon and I recently sold like it flies out of when I'm selling it and and it's all over so anything you want you can pretty much find secondhand that's
1: really interesting and specifically like really cute cool vintage shit
2: yeah so then there's a world of vintage which is like totally different right and um takes sometimes more time and persistence but it's really fun. I'm wearing all vintage today. Oh, really? Um are those except boots? For, except no not the boots. Except honey. for except for the boots. Yeah. The jacket is vintage Levi's, the shirt is vintage from Wasteland. If you cool. live in LA, go to all the Wastelands. The shorts are um I think I got them in the men's section of Goodwill pants and then I cut them off. Oh, that's a good idea. So that is that and cuff is them. that's the move. So yes. like the expensive like jean shorts, just go to a thrift store, go to the men's denim section, put them in the washing machine, and get a pair of scissors, and it's seven ninety nine.
1: And you can like make them exactly the length you want.
2: Yeah, like you want some jorts, you want some like yes. ones that ones that like show your. It's funny because I live in DC, but in in LA, I see a lot of butt cheeks. Oh,
1: we're all about the butt cheek here. It's Although real cute I'm look, not, It's not for me. Um... I'm not a butt cheeker, but if you are, I see you. Isn't that really uncomfortable in the front? You know, but you you sweat for your art. That's true. You know what I mean? Beauty is pain, and if you want to show off the ass, you got to show off this the cooch. This
2: is this is a beauty podcast. Yes. So
1: you know the cooch. Yes. And also, <laughs> you know, oil that ass. Yeah. I've been oiling my ass all summer. Really? Oh yeah. Huh. Keeping that keeping that ass
2: oiled. I've never done. Th- well, so it is. It's so dry here, yes. and my hair is perfect. But yeah. Um, everything's super dry. Yes, and I, but but I will start to, I guess, oil my ass. This is what I've yeah. learned on Natch Butte. Yeah, oil up that ass. All right, why not? Yeah,
1: you know, listen, we're trying to keep it sexy over here. All right, you know, I got to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep up with what's going on. Can you very quickly tell me the story about how you had your hair straightened in South America? Oh boy!
2: So it's amazing that I have hair. Let's yeah. just say that. Mm-hmm. So I've been chemically straightening my hair since I was fifteen. Okay. I'm thirty two. Okay. And at first, the technology... Do you have
1: super curly hair and you just were like... I, like,
2: never did. I had, like... I, I honestly don't know what my hair looks like. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Like, again, Same. it's amazing I have hair. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like, I don't really know what it looks like. I remember it being, like, you know, sort of frizzy, like, frizzy, wavy. I just said, like, frizzy. It was also frizzy. I think
1: is a perfect way to it. Yeah, that's
2: what it was like. And, like, who knows? I was in, like, fucking seventh grade. Like, I don't... My hormones are totally... You know, you, I yes. have no idea what my hair looks like. Anyway, so this... I would drive out to Koreatown in Annandale, Virginia, and they would do Japanese hair straightening, mm-hmm. which came on the scene before Brazilian as a way to smooth your locks completely unnecessarily and i think it's funny like now I, I i don't know what my wavy hair looks like but anyway um and you looked like a lampshade because japanese straightening is permanent oh, wow. so it was just a real aggressive lampshade look yeah. so i looked like a lampshade for a while mm-hmm. um and then i moved on to brazilian blowout which is um horrifying but works mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, discovered in Brazil by someone who was literally embalming someone oh, I didn't and, know that and that dis- makes perfect sense and though. discovered that when they put the formaldehyde on that person's hair that it, went, it oh, became shit. straight so it's very yeah, Brazilian dark.
1: blowouts are chemically I mean it's,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's mm. Yeah. I don't know how natch the beauty Right. Well, we aren't all
1: <laughs> natch. That's a common misconception with natch beaut. Uh It more just pertains to like our natural beauty as a person as opposed to like natural products. Got it. Got yes. it. Got it.
2: Yeah. Because I would say. Maybe mm. I
1: should put that in my two line bio or my like paragraph. Just Let to, like, me read specify. it over. Okay, I need to see it in I will send it to you. Yes. Perfect.
2: <laughs> I mean effectively your publicist. So um Fine with so me. then I moved on to Brazilian blowouts mm-hmm. and I used to live in Argentina.
1: Oh, like and for for like a good like for, for a year study abroad? No, okay. for, after I graduated I from college. Mm-hmm.
2: High of the recession, there were no jobs and I went to work at Young and Rubicam's their Buenos Aires office. Um and They call it alisado, which Mm -hmm. just means like straightening. And it was like $30. And it was wildly unregulated. It was very, I mean, it's only sort of regulated in America, but like it is technically regulated. And I remember this guy came over to my house and I had a balcony and we sat on the balcony and he did the alisado and I wore a gas mask. Oh
1: my god! And oh my god! That's how unright.
2: Like I don't know. Like who and knows I, what he poured on your head? I know. And I sat there with this gas mask on, and I was just sort of like, "What? You're sort is of how assess gonna, your life. This is how I'm gonna go. Yeah. This is how. This is this is it. Yeah. Um, so I sat there getting my hair straightened with a gas mask on. Um, I'm so sorry, mom. I never told you that.
1: <laughs> Wow, that's, that, I mean, I've done some crazy shit. I just had a girl in here talking about tattooing my lips. I've oh. done some shit and seen some shit in my day. That is bleak.
2: Yeah, it was, it was very dark timeline, yeah. and I just can only imagine, like, what my neighbors thought was happening, but, um... But I, you survived. I know, but now I have so many more questions because I haven't thought about it a lot right. since. It's like, where did he procure these gas masks? Oh yeah, Is he like I need to buy these for hair straightening. Did he?
1: Did he learn that he needed a gas mask because someone else had he killed died? Someone. Right, <laughs> like, right.
2: But at least he had the embalming fluid ready. I still get his promotional emails. These <laughs> janky, like alisado. It's like only blah blah. But I still do the Brazilian blowout, and I stand and and. But yes, it's no longer with a fucking gas mask on. Wow, that's.
1: Dark. One of the craziest beauty stories I've ever heard. And that's wow. saying a lot. Yeah. I've done 130 episodes of this show. Wow. So congratulations, Meredith. I can brag
2: about that. That's probably right, the most crazy story. story.
1: <laughs> you sure can. Thank you so much for being here, Meredith. Tell Thank us, you for having me. I know me. your book isn't going to be out for a while, but tell us yeah. your social media, where we can find you. I know you have a really fun newsletter. It's true. The brag, I, rag That was forwarded to me by Ben. Oh, so, Ben doing
2: the Lord's work. And I will now sign up
1: for it myself. And we should talk about maybe me doing one and you helping me with that? Why yes, not? actually,
2: that's yes. So yes. subscribe to Jackie's newsletter. Yes. If it doesn't exist yet, but will. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so I'm Meredith Feynman. You can find me everywhere at Meredith Feynman, MeredithFeynman.com. Um, and you will see lots of photos of my dog, Bean. Love. Um, and yeah, everywhere, Meredith Feynman. Fine man. That's, that's beautiful. me.
1: This was so fun, and I can't wait for us to be best friends.
2: I mean, it's it's hey, deeply exciting. Yeah. Um. Sorry, Ben. Bye. He, he, I think he's fine with it. Oh no, I mean he is. He has no choice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> I think he's on
1: board for sure. Of course he is. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't want to talk about him too much. This is okay. about us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But I will say like he's a great hype man he got me in this room with you you know what yeah. i mean so yeah we're gonna brag better baby
2: and a huge part of bragging better i will say is hyping your friends passing the microphone to people that you know yes. might, whose voices might not be heard mm-hmm. i believe that is your an obligation if you are someone that people listen to it is also your job to make sure that you pay it forward and use your
1: privilege to someone else's advantage exactly yes
2: and and i but a huge part of bragging better is doing so for others. A rising tide lifts all boats, um, particularly among women.
1: I feel like that's exactly what I do on attribute.
2: Yeah. And it's it's that's that's a huge part of this is like we can't do any of this alone and you shouldn't. And the truth is like, you know, in the words of, you know, Amina So and Ann Friedman, the shine theory. It's like, you know, you know, when you shine, we all shine. I
1: agree 100 so. percent. And I'm shining,
2: babe. Yeah. Okay, we got to get out of here, Meredith. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you, everybody. Remember, um, you deserve to be happy, and I also think that ties into this as well. Mm-hmm. I deserve to brag. Yes, I have things to brag about. I yes. should be. I am proud of what I'm doing. Bitch, you're on TV. Yes, so you <laughs> multiple des- times. You deserve to be happy. <laughs> you deserve to brag. I'm talking to you. Don't forget to cream your neck and keep your fringe fresh.
0: A podcast network. l-d-e-j-a-n-e-i-r-o com, and use the code acas 10 for 10% off.